travel with us now through the dimensions of time, beyond even the furthest stars, as we search out new and wondrous worlds far from eternity. On this journey, we will review comics, movies, shows, and more that hold a special place in our own fandom. What new world will be discovered this week? Find out right now as Legends of Grayskull goes off-world! Hello everybody and welcome to Legends of Grayskull Off-World, episode 1! The fan podcast where we discuss the history, the magic, the mystery, and mythology of anything we want that's not He-Man, She-Ra, or any of the masters of the universe. Ah, it's good to be here for the first time. So, I know some of you are probably wondering, what is this? What's Offworld? What's going on here? Well, basically, as you know, we've been trying to find ways to talk about all the stuff that we love outside of He-Man and She-Ra. So, me and Sean got together, we created the Offworld banner, so whenever you see an episode pop up that says Offworld, this is going to be something outside of Eternia, outside of Etheria, we're going to places unknown, uncharted, and we're just going to be discussing things that make us happy. Uh, so here again for the first time, I am Matthew Duch. Down below me is Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? Pretty good. I'm off-worlding myself because I'm not even in my own home. Go there figure. Go. Roman <laughs> with dinosaurs. Roman and with the dinosaurs. Above him, next to me, is... Our new co-host for Offworld, Mr. Jesse Arnold. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. <laughs> so, let's go ahead. Let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I think most of you know me and Sean from Legends of Grayskull. Uh, but for those of you who are just tuning in, because we're not talking by Eternia today, uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves. So, Sean, why don't you take the lead? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, name, rank, serial number. Uh, so I'm Sean Scavarna, and uh, I am the co-host over at Legends of Grayskull with Matthew Duch. I'm also a graphic designer from Pennsylvania, and for my geekdom, I don't remember a time I wasn't a geek. Uh, I know Superman was one of the first superheroes I ever remember recognizing, and my love for him just pretty much went on from there, as you can see. Uh... Yeah, always love comic books, always love superheroes, also a pretty big He-Man fan, that's why I teamed up with Matthew, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> that's about the most that I have at, as of right now, but I'm sure the blanks will be filled in as we talk tonight. Absolutely. All right, Jesse, you're up. All right, uh, my name is Jesse um, I work at a custom print shop and part-time at a comic shop, which is the one I went to as kids when we solidified our friendship over comic books and X-Men back in the day. Um, also in Central yeah. Sean is in my, my apartment now, so like you said, he's off-world, and I'm off-world because I'm not as attorney-centric as these guys, despite my pops up here. But, but um, I'm happy to join on the geek and see where this goes. All right. And I am Matthew Duch. Uh, I live in 
uh, LaPorte, Indiana, and I manage a grocery store. So, fun. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the geekdom, and that is, I, I like most guys my age, I'm mid-30s. Uh, I grew up He-Man, and then Turtles, and then getting into Spider-Man, and all the comic books as I got older. Um, Power, Power Rangers sprinkled in there. And same thing, I can't remember a time where I wasn't into something superhero or outrageous, and I'm just here to celebrate the love and talk about it. So, uh, thank you guys for joining me here. So that's who we are. Let's talk about, actually before we talk about what we're going to discuss today, I want to talk a little bit here because I think it got glossed over a little bit. I want everybody to know what we're dealing with here. So, as most of you know, Sean and I met, you know, through Facebook in the groups, uh, specifically He-Man and She-Ra groups, um, and go listen to Legends of Grayskull episode one to hear more about that and many other episodes, but I want to hear about you guys, because when Sean and I started talking about we're going to do Off-World, um, we said, well... It'd be kind of nice to get somebody else in on this. And immediately, Sean is like, I know a guy. So, Sean, who is this guy you know? How how did Sean and Jesse become a thing? Well, we became a thing by... Um, he started at my elementary school when we were in third grade. And he was an artist. So, so there was, there like, was already a competition, competition element, element to that. that. I was like, wait a minute. I was the artist. And now all of a sudden people like his art. And it was bugging me. Uh, but jealousy put aside, um, we, we became friends by actually, he started me out in army ants, if I remember right. He was showing me these little army ants characters and figures that I thought were cool. And then like the next thing I knew, we jumped into Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and, and that pretty much solidified it. And from there, it's been an adventure of geekdom from various brands uh, for the last <laughs> thirty plus years. <laughs> so we met when we were eight. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesse, any, yeah. Uh, care to care to elaborate or fix the the flaws in his? No, head? there's. Um, um, I, I think he's being very generous with the term artist uh, at the time. I, I think I drew like little animal, animal heads, heads that were inspired by, by uh, county style artwork. I could draw the whole body, so it was just little heads. heads. That's what I'm trying to remember that, but yeah, making friends at recess between the army ants and. Tiger sharks and whatever else random weird stuff we got into. But yeah, yeah, the, the turtles, turtles were like the, the thing, thing that really solidified that. And uh, little side note on that: after he was Leo, I was Raph, and because I'm such a great speller, I would always spell Raph Ralph. Yeah, <laughs> because there's <laughs> Raphael, I just. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with things. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, it's good to have you guys. All right. Let's get into what we're talking about today. So 
Uh, this is something that Sean and I have been talking about for a while here. I'm sure you guys have been talking about it too. And that is the uh, Zack Snyder cut of Justice League that was released, well, probably a couple months ago now um, to HBO Max. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, four hour long epic. So yeah, we're gonna we are going to get into that today and talk about this thing. Um, so, what is your guys's DC background like? When you think DC, where does your mind go? Uh, whether it's whether it's a particular comic run or uh, series or what or maybe it's the movies I don't know but for me for me personally when I go just DC at its core to me is the Bruce Tim animated universe um, Batman the animated series Superman Justice League Justice League Unlimited like that because I didn't get to the comic store as much as I wanted to as a kid. Like, I was the only one in my family into comics. None of my friends were really into comics as much, and there was no local, like, like easy access store. Everything was across town, or I'd have to have mom or dad drive me, you know? So growing up, having those on television, that's that built the basis of DC for me. So what about you guys? This is... Um... Well, like Sean said, Batman and Superman were just always in the consciousness. Uh, I mean, the Chris Reeves movies were already out. Um, I was eight or nine when Batman came out. Uh, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. So, you know, there was a Super Friends on TV, the Super Powers action figures. So that was kind of like my introduction to DC. They were just another bread and butter staple of just things that were there. But I never got super into them. Um, until the Batman movies, but my, at this point in life, when I think DC, I think, um, Darwin Cook's, uh, New Frontier, uh, the, the comic, because that, from where I'm at with DC, that is kind of the epitome of what those characters represent, the, uh, inspiration and all of that of what they represent, I think is best encapsulated in that story, and, um, and, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are probably my two favorite characters at this point in time. Wow. All right. We'll elaborate more on that later. But Sean, take it away. Uh, for me, it was... Uh, I mean, basically the Chris Reed movies when I was a kid. Uh, my mom was heavily into Superman. So yes. it was never... It, it, was, it, was, it was always... We go to the Seven Eleven in Baltimore, and I was able to pick up like Superman comics, Detective Comics, Action Comics, Justice League, Batman, whatever. And those were kind of mainstays for me. Um, but yeah, like the Chris Reeve movies kind of set the bar. But then uh, my mom introduced me to the George Reeves uh, Superman fifties TV show, the Batman sixties uh, Adam West series, him and Burt Ward and. Julie Newmar made me not sure why I had a funny tingling, but she definitely proved that puberty was going to be fun later on down the line. And, and then obviously, you know, like, uh, like Jesse, you know, when, when I was like nine or 10, 
then bam, Michael Keaton, Batman, Jack Nicholson, Joker movie, Batman 89. And honestly, uh, compared to you, Matt, I don't have as yeah. much experience with the Tim verse compared to the earlier stuff, like, uh, super friends, uh, superpowers, like Jesse said, the toy right. line. That was a huge staple for me in my toy collection when I was a kid. And also the comic book drawn by the late great king of comics, Jack Kirby, the king. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty much the, the, my mom laid that foundation for love of Superman from a very early age and he's never gotten old for me. Nice. No, yeah. And that's, and and that just going with our ages. Like, uh, as most of our viewers know, I was born in 85. You guys are a good, uh, good jump ahead of me there. So, (laughs) He's being uh, very gentle on that right I'm now. Being, Sean that. gets very cranky when I make fun of his age. So, um, but no, yeah, super. That's right. I'm are... still younger than him. So nice. Yeah, yeah, a couple months. Well, only a couple months. <laughs> but yeah, it's so. I'm glad for that. I'm glad Sean is still the oldest guy in the room. That oh yeah. But yeah, that's uh, and that's the thing. That's. You know, your Super Friends was my Batman. Like that was, you know, I remember, I remember Super Friends and all that. But it was, it was reruns. It was Cartoon Network. Sure. You know, it, it it didn't feel like it was for me. You know what I mean? You could tell it was older. So, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> well, I'll agree with you that when because the animated series for Batman came out right after Batman Returns, right. Or about the I would get into Batman. Batman. I would have like a like movie of the summer, summer where I, I get the uh, trading cards, the official movie magazine, any of the candy gum dispensers shaped like my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Batman returned that, that movie. And then the animated series came out. And I, I, was, I was like, I was all in on that show. So, um, I didn't come to the other, other ones. That one I was like, yeah, that definitely felt like you said, like for me, even though they were older. Yeah, yeah, I was like, like, all right, this is the Batman, and that's still my favorite version of Joker. No, absolutely. No, you mean you, you, well, we'll get into new <laughs> Jokers. <laughs> all right, so there, there's our. So, give everyone a little baseline of kind of what we're used to with DC, what we look at when we look at DC. So, jumping back here, we're not to the Snyder cut yet. Now, let's talk about the Whedon cut that made it into theaters um real quick here jesse you start us off what was your opinion after seeing uh the joss whedon cut i was really excited about it um i was glad that joss whedon was doing it at the time um light we're not gonna get into that right um at the time I really enjoyed it. I can't remember if I saw it and then took Sean, or if we saw it together for the first time together. We went together opening night, I want to say. Okay. And, and I was just excited because it had color back in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Snyderverse to that point, I wasn't super thrilled with. There were things I really like in those other movies. But getting into the movie, I was like, all right, this is going to be a little more fun. They're going to be more on track to the version of the character I like. 
And I mean, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I saw it a couple times. I have the Steelbook Blu-ray, you know, pop it in occasionally. So I'd go back to it. It's not a perfect movie, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Sean? I will say I really, really like Danny Elfman's score. And I oh, absolutely. And I brought the, the, um, um, the uh, his Batman uh, score into it with a little bit of hand that he brought the John Williams Superman Steven into it. All right. Sean? I went into that movie at a time when I was sure I didn't want to see another one of these movies. <laughs> um, I, I will probably, I don't think I'm going to be the doom and gloom of the three of us, but I was definitely somebody that once Batman v Superman hit, I checked out because that movie didn't really work for me on a lot of levels. So the idea that here we have a justice league movie, I was like, uh, none of these characters are fleshed out in a way that makes me feel excited to see them again. The only character I would really be excited to see is Wonder Woman because I thought she did great in Batman v Superman and her solo movie. Um, and I was curious to see what Jason Momoa was going to do with Aquaman, but that was about it. I, I wish Henry Cavill could have had a good Superman movie to start this whole whole thing out. Yeah, And I feel it's a half a good movie at best. Yes. And Batman v Superman is what it is. So my my enthusiasm was pretty low when I went to see it. And honestly, I didn't despise it. I didn't hate it. But I definitely felt like they really were trying their best to course correct something. And seeing how that would go because of how people were reacting to the previous two movies. And that's... That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got to agree with both the young parts. The music was good. It was nice to see them trying to fix things. For me, I think it was just mostly kind of a too little, too late type of thing. Like you said, Sean, I think they just started off so poorly with Man of Steel that it just tarnished the rest of it. And then, you know, Batman versus Superman muddied the waters even more. And it's just like, how do you get back to what I feel this movie should be about. And edit both versions, a little bit of a spoiler, both versions at its heart is all about hope, um, but it's like everything leading up to it, there's like no hope. Everything is doom and gloom. And it just, seeing that theatrical release, it's just like too little too late. They, ju they threw Flash and Cyborg in there and and they were just, Cyborg wasn't fleshed out at all. Flash, I still don't like Ezra's Flash, but we'll get more into that later. Um, and then, uh, you know, it just it, it felt like we're just throwing them all together. And that was probably my biggest thing. It's like you can't bring in the Justice League without having set them up first. And that's that was probably my biggest complaint about the movie. Um, so... I, well, I guess, um, Jesse, you kind of already answered this. <clears throat> Walking out of the theater, well, you said you've seen it since then. You you still watch mm -hmm. it from time to time. So, Sean, walking out of that theater, did you have any desire to go watch that again? Not really. Not really. 
And uh, the person that ended up making me rewatch it again was my son who bought it on Voodoo one day by accident. <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm watching this and I'm like, yeah. out of the movies he could have bought, which would have been, you know, I already had Man of Steel because my wife thinks that Henry Cavill in that suit <laughs> is something awesome to her eyes and her taste. But, right. um, but I was like, thank God he didn't buy Batman v Superman because oh. dear Lord, I would have not lived that one down <laughs> with my wife. Um, so he saw Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. He just yeah. thought that is something I need to see. And honestly, sure. it works for kids. It, it's it, that was something that really shocked me because I rewatched it with him and I'm sitting there going, it's not that bad as a popcorn flick. But if you want to actually put like an Avengers level feeling to this, it's lacking very much. There, there's no way around it for me, at least it, like uh, at least in the first Avengers movie. There's that turn moment when the invasion's happening and all the aliens are on the sides of the building right. and they're, they're, they're pulling off their masks and screeching. And also you got Hulk and Black Widow, Thor, Iron Man, Cap, Hawkeye. And there's that like, you know these guys. You know something big is about to happen. In Justice League, there is just like a, we have the big guns, but do you give any crap about the fact that the big guns are here because we didn't build anything leading up to this moment. Right. So. No, and I agree. It's, it's, it, yeah. Watching it through once, I was like, okay, I saw it. It was what it is. Like you said, popcorn flick, nothing too deep, even though it tried to be. And I had no desire to see it again, uh, until, uh, you know, when they put out that they were splicing together this super cut restoring mm-hmm. the Snyderverse and all that, and I said, damn it, I have to see this now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so, say that, but I said I'll at least attempt it, because right. I was just curious more than anything. It wasn't that I had to do it. So. <laughs> I felt kind of the same way when I heard, like, I'd see all the trending hashtags and things, like restore the Snyder Cut and all this stuff, and I was like, why? Like, I was really really dreading watching the Snyder Cut. Um, Because I can see how he felt about these characters. And um, I I, I, the main reason I wanted to watch it was to see how different it was from what Joss Whedon did. Like, how much was different. Because I saw a lot of people complaining about things, blaming Joss Whedon for things. And when you watch the behind the scenes... Zack Snyder's on the set directing the scenes people are complaining about, at least to my eyes. So I just wanted to compare what the, what different, the different tastes were. Um, mm-hmm. So I watched it over the first couple days. I think it was the first couple of days. I watched it in one sitting, but I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, surprised that, that I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it here. So here's what we're going to do with this kind of stuff here, guys. So we're going to go through. We're each going to give a positive thing uh, about the movie, and then we're each going to do a negative thing about the movie. And we'll discuss as we go along, so um, yeah, don't worry, it's going to be plenty of discussion, but that's that's kind of the format we're going to go with this, viewers. We're going to do a positive and a negative from each of the hosts, and we'll see where that takes us. Uh, so Jesse, kick us off. What is your po- first positive? Um, I will say that um, 
This is just Steppenwolf looks so much better in Gas. Zack Snyder cut. I think when I first saw the shot, I was like, it's too much, it's too busy. But actually seeing it, watching it happen, and especially like just the coloration on the lines of the metal and everything, I was like, all right, it's much more intimidating. Um, mm. Then I was, I was expecting, expecting that image to be, and that really worked for me. Oh, I completely agree. It was it was an amazing upgrade. He actually looked alien this time, and I thought the same thing with the armor, like like constantly shifting and stuff. But by God, it worked perfectly. I was I was scared of him, and while we're on it, not only the design but just his storyline and. Be warned, guys. I mean, Justice League came out a while ago here. We're spoilering. We, the, everything you see here, this is spoiler-filled. I should have given a warning beforehand, but we're not. We're jumping all around. We're talking about it. But what do you think about his story, too? How, how, I mean, uh, that line where, where Darkseid tells him... Yeah, spoiler alert, Darkseid's in the film, too. Uh, <laughs> where he tells him... Like he's got, he's got like ten thousand pl- more planets before they're even, uh, before he erases the debt he's owed. Like they really dug into the whole apocalypse hierarchy and what Steppenwolf means, which I felt was really lacking from the first from the theatrical release. I, I agree to set that up, but I feel like they never delivered on his backstory. Yeah. They they set up the cost and what the the balance was or whatever, but we never learned what what caused him to be in that bed. It was oh, now I'm now I guess I should have watched it again. Wasn't it because of his loss on Earth the first time? Who's on Earth? Hmm. I'm gonna take your word for it. This is why we used to get into fights. <laughs> they changed that backstory scene. Dark side is the one who loses in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Steppenwolf loses. And that made sense. They never said what his blunder was or his flaw of it. Okay. If they did, I missed it. Yeah, then I did too. I was, I guess I just assumed, now thinking back, he, he, they didn't show him, but I just assumed he was there. Um, but actually, you saying that he wasn't makes more sense because one of my complaints was how Steppenwolf didn't realize that Earth had the anti-life equation, so that makes more sense if he wasn't there for that original battle. Alright. Sean, any thoughts on Steppenwolf? <laughs> Um, I want to say, wasn't it 50,000 worlds? And then that made yeah, it probably. even worse? Something like it's that. Like, it was, it, it was a, that, a ridiculous number. And even well, Steppenwolf it, it, in that moment saw, he's like, I'm never going to repay this. Like, this well, is ridiculous. I, I've seen a meme of him having these big chibi eyes looking <laughs> like he's about to cry from that exact moment. <laughs> And I got to admit, like, uh, we actually watched a little bit of the uh, theatrical one, and it is night and day when you see what they did on the Snyder Cut for the character visually. Like, when I first saw the photo, I was the same way. I'm like, too busy. Way too busy. This this looks like the uh, Destroyer at the end of Thor turned up to 20. 
And I, I felt like that worked well enough. And this is just everything spiky because it's Zack Snyder. It's got to be epic <laughs> and nihilistic. And, um, but it, it, like, it really wasn't like I, I kept thinking about it through the movie. Like Steppenwolf is just a man that wants to go home. Yeah. That is his story to a T. And the fact that he comes up against, you know, the, the, the greatest heroes that Earth has for DC and he ends up getting killed at the end and all that. It's like, yeah, damn, you know, that was such a, that was, that was, that was actually something I didn't expect to feel, but I actually felt bad when his head gets sent through the portal and dark side just crushes it. I'm like, my God, dude, like, yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to even go there, but you did, you know? Um, uh, so I, I was impressed. I was impressed by, um, they made him like a force of nature in this one. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the other one, uh, I heard reviews saying he looked like a PlayStation two boss. Yeah. And I agree completely. Cause after seeing that version, uh, and then watching the other one tonight, like we did, there's no way around it. Like I, I got to as much as I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder guy, things like that make me go, it works. Mm-hmm. And, and his vision of that actually makes sense. And just like his casting actually yeah. makes a lot of sense with a lot of these characters too. But uh, yeah, very, su- very surprised by how well Steppenwolf was received by me uh, in four hours worth of this movie. Yeah. Ain't that the truth. All right, if we're good on Steppenwolf, Sean, what's your positive? Um, I'll I'll just go to the one that I talked about the most when Jesse and I watched it just a little while ago, The Flash. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Flash in the original. They had him too bumbly, too, you know, he was the comic relief. And I don't feel that really works for the character because in my in my head, and the way that I've always understood it, the Flash, is, it, Wally West Flash, can be a little more the jokester. He can be the one with the quips. He can be more the comic relief. But Barry Allen Flash is a lot more serious. And the moments in here where they dealt with him not being Wally, and he was able to be Barry, were the parts that I got the most like I, I would, I actually got goosebumps watching some of the scenes, and and they're right there at the end of the movie. You get to see, um, you know, him, his his whole storyline with his father is still intact, where he's trying to get his dad out of prison, and he's trying to show dad, I'm trying to do the right thing here. And then you have that moment at the end where it's like, okay, all chips are, all bets are off, all the chips are down. Literally, they've lost. Which I like that. I love that yes. part of the movie because I love that no matter what they did, they lost. And it was only one person who actually pulled them from the brink, which was Barry and his little, his little um, positive talk to himself in that moment has to be one of the best things that Zack Snyder has given us on a superhero movie to date. Because his, you know, dad, I want you to know I was the best of the best and you know, and make your own past, make your own future. And it's like, I'm getting chills just remembering how that goes because that was probably the best moment Zack Snyder's delivered of this is how a superhero should be feeling. This is what it should make you feel to watch them in action because I, I'm not only in awe, but I'm also just cheering for that guy like crazy. So kudos to Ezra Miller on his flash in this as well as 
amazingly Zack Snyder for letting it do that, for letting it be hopeful. I <laughs> I will say that final the it, in the end battle when Barry reverses time to keep them from losing and give give the extra time that Cyborg needs was a good scene. I still don't like this flash though. And this this cut did nothing to change that for me. I he like you said he's too bumbly, he's too when Barry Allen gets his Flash powers, he is supposed to be a uh, 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 he's a he's a teacher, he's a mentor. He's Barry has always been a do gooder, a you know he excels in his field even before he has his powers. Like he he's a good person. He he does well in this Ezra Miller, and I can't really say Ezra. You know, because Ezra's only doing what the script asked him, but I just felt the whole characterization was wrong. And, and I mean, to me, it was even past Wally West. It was I, actually it popped in my head earlier today thinking about it. He's more like I would imagine Bart Allen coming back from the yeah. future. Like that's that's the Flash that I saw there. And to me, that's just not Barry. So I'll, I'll give you that end scene, but I'm not budging on. I don't like this Flash, especially with and then nothing against you, Sean. I just especially with having Grant Gustin's Flash out there, and and that's done so well. I think it, more so in the right direction. So Jesse, well, I, like I, you I, got some stuff to say. Well, I I, I do. I mean, we're not going to go into the show, but I do like. Um, Grant Gustin's portrayal of Barry and that more serious take on him. I said to Sean when we were watching the last half of the, the Snyder cut that I was like, I don't necessarily feel like he's playing Barry, but I like the character he's playing. Um, except for the whole scene with the hot dog in the car. Thank I you. Like that moment, but <laughs> I like that they, they go down him trying to bro out with Cyborg. Yeah. Like I said to Sean, when they do that fist bump at the end, that feels so much more earned and not to pay off to a joke. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed the portrayal. Again, I don't necessarily feel as Barry. Um, I don't have as strong a tie to that character in general to have general to have stronger than the other. other. But I I like what he brings to this movie, especially this version that Sean was saying, that whole end moment. Um, and even the moment in the, the ship when they bring Clark back to life and it, the whole scene kind of fumbles a little bit with the, you say one or no, or right. no or no. Oh, I, I, just, I really like what they did with him, how he's younger, he's more unsure of himself and the powers and he's just, just yeah, trying to make friends and yeah, trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with his life. Sean, rebuttal? Uh, I can't argue <laughs> with either of you on the Ezra Miller take on it because honestly, yeah. I'm I'm right there with both of you, unfortunately, where I'm saying this isn't my flash. But okay. what I'm applauding in this, and 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 that's the main thing of the yeah. main thrust of the uh why it is my positive is just the fact. Zack Snyder is not a typically hopeful movie maker. Right. There's not a lot of that in his movies. It's pretty dark, gloomy, 
for the most part. Yeah. I, I, you know, there, there, there's moments here and there, but this was the f- first moment that I've ever seen flat out. Wow. He's doing something that makes you as a fan, whether you like this take on Flash or not, just the fact that this is the most superhero hopeful moment that I've seen in this movie. And it, it really got me. Like, it, it, if you can get me in those moments, there's a pretty yeah. good chance I'm actually going to be like, that actually wasn't bad because I had an emotional reaction in this movie versus sitting there through Man of Steel going, when is yeah. this going to actually work for me? And <laughs> none of it worked for me the way that I was expecting as a Superman fan. Okay. Nope, I'll give you that. That end scene was was very, very well done. Um, I'll give you that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I won! <laughs> you win. I won uh, that one. My, my greatest positive watching this movie was the fact that um, the resurrection of Clark Kent, the resurrection of Superman, it felt natural this time because of the extended cut, you got Bruce is thinking we're actually in the first parts of that movie, they were not setting out to resurrect Superman. Whereas in the theatrical release, it felt like right away Clark's, or I'm sorry, Bruce is like, we got to get Superman back. And you're sitting there going like, wait, what, why? Like for me, I need, I need the, the, the story. You can't just jump into it where all of a sudden Bruce is like, let's bring him back. And you're going like, why would Bruce even think he can be brought back? But the way this one played out with, you know, uh, them meeting, you know, they met Flash, they met Cyborg, he, they found out about the mother boxes and, you know, trying to catch up with Steppenwolf, who's already collecting them. And then once Bruce realizes how the mother box saved Cyborg, then he's like, wait, if it could save Cyborg, could it, you know, could it do, could it bring Superman back? And it really just felt, it felt like a a good story this time. Whereas before you're thrown in and you're like, why are we trying to resurrect Superman? Why do we think this will work? What? It it just felt like, because it, it felt like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, he gets an, or not Prince of Thieves, uh, Men in Tights, Men in he, tights gets an, yeah. he gets another shot. Mm-hmm. Like, what What should <laughs> yeah. we do? Oh, uh, well, the, uh, the script here says we need to resurrect Superman. All right, let's because, resurrect Superman. Because story. Yeah. Because story. <laughs> right. This this one felt very earned. Like you got how Bruce connected those dots and he's like, wait a minute, we can do this. We can bring him back. Because his initial thrust in this story was to get this group of heroes to replace Superman because he was gone. And then once mm-hmm. they realized they could add him to it, just it flowed so much better and I actually found myself caring about it. Yeah. Anyone? Rebuttals? I totally agree with that. Um, um, the, the natural way they come to that and discuss it. it I like, like that, that he's got this whole thing. It, it's like he, pardon the expression, it's like Bruce had a, a come to Jesus moment at the end yes. of Batman <laughs> Superman. And in the theatrical cut, like he's already out on the mission field, like trying to make converts. In this, it feels more natural of him processing through what he's doing. Um, I said to Sean, because he's the, 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 the scene at the end by the farmhouse back. 
yeah. uh, Martha and everything. And I was like, I, I just feel like he's been so focused on his team that he hasn't paid attention to anything else to realize that she got kicked out. Right. You know, that, that, that's why he didn't stop the thing from going into foreclosure. So that's why just he's so focused on this mission and then finding out that, oh, we can resurrect Superman and he goes all in on it, like, immediately. I actually wrote it down in my notes when he's talking, he's to, talking to Alfred. Alfred. Alfred, like, you can't bring the whole, uh, if you can't bring it down, don't wave the red cape. And Bruce says, you do when it's this red cape. You do when this, this cape charges back. And I was like, Oh, I love that moment. I love that line. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and yeah, real quick since you brought it up, Alfred and Bruce, those scenes were just amazing. Alfred and everybody. Alfred and Superman, Alfred and Wonder Woman. I mean, oh, the, because I, um, yeah, we'll go for a little bit of a cheat twofer there. But yeah, having Alfred so much more present in this. Um, you mm-hmm. really it helped it helped the Batman angle, it helped the story angle, it, it really helped push it to the next level for me seeing, you know, just a normal everyday butler interact with these these gods and just him not even caring either. He's just like, Oh yes, you know, we can you know, just talk to him like they were one of Master Bruce's yeah. friends. Yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah, I, I actually even even like for the resurrection part, even the staging of Lois works yes. better for me. I, I like that um, in the story they established. Okay, every day she goes and gets a coffee, and she'll bring it to Jimmy Olsen, who's mm-hmm. now a cop, and he's in his sixties now because that was Mark McClure from the Superman Christopher Reeve movies, which was I, I like that. Oh, was it? I didn't. Mean, I didn't even that, know that. That was that was Jimmy Olsen or Marty McFly's brother, whichever one you want to go with. <laughs> and um, I, I like that they went there because he is somebody that it, it, I, I honestly there there was a symbolism to him being the cop at Superman's tomb in that way. Like there was that feeling of he's still here, Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder or not. At least he was there at the grave. And that was that was touching for me from enjoying those movies. But I like that they even established her routine so that when all hell breaks loose and there's Superman showing up again, she's there on the scene. And it's not just a ploy of Batman to bring her there to make it that now one of my biggest issues with Superman in these movies is Lois Lane tethers him to humanity and he has nothing else going for him to make him feel like the humans matter. It's always got to be about Lois. Yeah, and I I enjoyed how that worked, and then I I liked how again their plan went wrong. Yeah. So once again, you know, it's like that mirrored the ending of the movie because here's the Flash pulling out, you know, pulling it off at the end of this because he managed to go fast enough to actually reverse the drop just enough, and you got that little taste of oh he's going to travel time maybe he's going to have to reverse something. And even the sequence, I mean, that's that's probably one of my favorite action sequences in the entire film is after he comes back and you see him go toe-to-toe with everybody and you see everybody is like, oh, crap. And that isn't me doing a power play about Superman. That's just <laughs> me enjoying the fact 
that you have, you know, like you have Aquaman being their Wolverine wanting to fight him the whole time, but then he's like, you know, whatever came back isn't really him. It's his powers and his body and all that. Right. And you have Wonder Woman trying to reason with him. You have the Flash who's scared to death of him because I love that sequence where he's in slow motion and Clark just looks over his shoulder and Flash has that oh <laughs> face. And and even Batman, it was fun to see Batman actually going like, oh God, he's yeah. coming after me now and I got nothing else to protect me because Wonder Woman Wonder just got taken out. Yeah, that whole scene was great. It just... If uh, even even the the I don't know if I'm just because I have not gone back and watched the the theatrical release since I originally saw it. I did not see it in theaters. It was well after it came out on DVD. Um, but from what I remember, like uh, Star Labs did not feel as present in the theatrical release, unless I'm mistaken. So to see them like bounce, like they had to go to Star Labs to get the mother box and then go to the monument and and like you said, Lois just being there, it all made a lot more sense. Whereas in the theatrical release, I remember during that part, I'm like, well, how like how do they have this stuff? And like it seemed very murky, like how where they were and how they got this stuff, and they just were kind of like like I said, it just felt like the script narrated, and they like show up with all this stuff and they're ready to go, you know. So. But uh, one of you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong about the theatrical release about Star Labs and all that. No, I mean, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's there. there. It's basically, it's basically just, just a location for the mother box to have passed through for the parademons to come from, like, and to have taken people from, like, it's definitely more of a, a piece of the story in this one and not just a set. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, the uh, mother box part actually is a better moment for Steppenwolf and Victor's mm-hmm. father compared yes. to in the oh, theatrical. Yeah. Absolutely. It basically, is he he beams down, grabs the box, beams back up, and they're like yoink. It, it was very yeah. much like a Scooby Doo moment in the theatrical compared to there actually is more um, more stakes the way they set the uh, the Snyder cut up. I don't even remember Victor's yeah. father in the theatrical release. Was he? He was, he was not involved in that sequence at all, no. Okay. Okay. It's it's I think the last time, time we see him is when they save him from Steppenwolf in the Shrine Island. Okay. End of the movie, movie when, when Cyborg like, remakes, remakes his form. Right, right. Okay. Um, all right, negatives. Uh, Sean, you start us off this time. What was one negative of the Snyder Cut for you? Oh, there's one that I want to say, but I feel like it's so minute compared to another one I want to say, so I'm really having a hard time. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll go with the, the, the smaller one because one of you might take the other one. <laughs> thinking. Um, okay, it wasn't um, a negative okay. it wasn't with a negative. the detail. But the uh, the the Man of Steel theme, and they have that little yeah. piano melody that comes in. It's this gentle do 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 do, and all that. And uh, every time that comes into the movie, I there is a part of me that kind of like I love that. The problem 
is it's relying on you caring about what happened to him in the previous movies. <laughs> and I know I'm going to be the guy that is that way about it, but my biggest problem with that is it's making me mourn that this movie never had a foundation in the other movies for me to give a crap about that. And I feel like it's a wasted opportunity that that could have mattered. That could have yeah. been something, even, even the moment uh, when, when he's coming out of the, the fortress after getting the black suit and his theme kicks in again. And there's that feeling of, I should be pumped here. I should actually be like on the edge of tears. You're hearing his father, Jarrell and Jonathan, both having their good time to fly son. We loved yeah. you son and all and nothing for me it, it, it was so hollow of a moment every time they did that little theme and it, it really had me going like this this movie has always had a foundation of sand not a foundation of concrete with how they presented anybody previously so any any emotional reaction they wanted to have of me liking superman or batman usually yeah. fell on its face whereas wonder woman because her movie worked well i enjoyed that and cyborg and uh aquaman and flash i was more on board with them than i ever was for the main two marquee names right that this movie should be centered around so that for me is always going to be a huge negative like i love that those themes i love that little piano bit i love you know all that kind of stuff but no it, it's it really it, is hollow it makes me depressed when i hear it more than feeling energetic that superman is there or whatever right no, I completely agree. They they did nothing in those first movies to to set anything up, and um, and I think that I'm just gonna go with my negative right away because I think it flows right into that. It's it's the message of hope that they the the the, the hope is lost that they try and slam down your throat in the beginning of the movie. How the the world is mourning the loss of Superman. You know, we see London and they've got, uh, they've got the, the Superman banner on the, on the bridge, you know? Yeah. And, and like all around the world, they're showing how, you know, hope is lost, all this and that. And it's like, but you didn't, Superman was never a symbol of hope in these movies. And so by not setting it up in man of steel and Batman, Superman, it, it it's hollow like you said it's hollow it does not ring true that the, the whole world's like oh no we've lost a great hero because he's never been a great hero he's never been the boy scout that superman should be the guy that the whole planet knows he will do the right thing no matter what you never got that so with them mm -hmm. going here and saying you know the only thing that gets you caring about the death of superman is your history of the comics, our history of the, the animated series. Like, they are just preying on our previous investment with Superman outside of the movies. Yes. But yes. If, you, if you want this to ring true and you want us to actually come into the beginning of this movie feeling like the chips are down, our backs are against the wall, we're hurting as a planet, you had to have done something earlier. Exactly. There's no other way around it. Yeah, this is this is always going to just bug me. It's, it's yes, always it's going, going to be that way. way. Um, um, 
there was actually a point I had too, which annoys me. And now I'm like, I'm going red in the face because I don't remember what the point was. Um, but no, like it, that, that's it, it's show don't tell and don't expect your audience to ever come to this prepared with their homework when you should be doing that on the big screen. That it, because what defines right. this Superman from Christopher Reeve? Because right. the main the main thing that this is what I remember. I just remembered. It. <laughs> I, I said it to Jesse uh, when we were watching earlier too. I'm like. This Superman is nothing but a reactionary superhero. And he yeah. does knee-jerk reaction. Like in Man of Steel, the Kryptonians come and threaten his mom. What's his reaction? He just beats the living bejesus out of Zod. And then he has to fight all these other Kryptonians. And he puts other people's lives on the line because he just reacts. Same with when he's fighting Zod in, in uh, Metropolis. He's reacting to Zod. He's not actually formulating anything that makes you go Superman has a plan to try to stop this guy. It's I'm going to punch you as hard as I freaking can and if that doesn't work I'm going to keep doing it. He did that even at the end of the movie with Steppenwolf that's basically the reason that they wanted to bring him back. They're like dear God I need to have somebody that just punches him a bunch because that's what he does he shows up he breaks the the axe and then he just starts punching Steppenwolf and I actually felt bad for Steppenwolf, because I felt bad that the guy just wanted to go freaking home. And here he's getting his face rearranged by black suit Superman. You know, it, 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 it's, it's no, you, you can't, you can't rest this laurel of he represented hope. Well, how? Because what exactly. did he do in any of those movies other than react in not the greatest of ways? He didn't think anything through. It was an emotional, uh, it, like uh, Batman v Superman. Oh, well, I have Martha. They're going to kill her if you don't kill Batman. What's he going to do? He goes to try to kill Batman because that's what Lex Luthor told him. He didn't come up with another solution. He didn't use his wits. He just used his brawn. He's like, oh, I guess that's what I got to do because they told me. You know, and uh, like that was one of the lowest moments in Superman history for me was him going, you know, there aren't any good men anymore or whatever. He says the lowest in that. And I was like, this is Superman? Go ahead, Jesse. So, yeah. I know you got thoughts. It's not specifically the music cues. Right. I totally agree with that. It's, it's tied to this. This isn't my negative. It's still reacting to Sean's negative. But it's kind of <laughs> um, is, is the most amazing thing with Martha in this movie is freaking Martian Man on it. Yes. As cool as it was to see him in this movie, even though he's was have this beautiful conversation with Lois, and when they revealed that it was Martian Manhunter in the hallway, I just like threw up my hands and I was like, "All right, that's that's yeah. stupid." Because she she was kind of like not a great character in the theatrical version, right? And I really love the connection they had in this in that scene, talking about meeting King Bond and. All of that, and, and it was like it, it felt like they, they were earning it, it, and then they, they just ripped the curtain right out from under me. Why did yeah. Martha have a conversation this way that way? Right, unless like, he's was there another scene that didn't happen where he played Martha and like picked up what Martha would have said to her? Like, like I have no idea why that scene worked. If they would have just let it be the two women having that talk about. A loved one they lost, shared a loss over. 
No, I completely agree. And the only thing is, unless Jean was reading Lois's mind and figuring out what she needed to hear, but then that's like, you know, he's just not that kind of character who would just probe a mind without, you know, I mean, unless it's a villain, without permission. So again, it destroys the character. And the biggest part for me was, you're showing me that, you know, John Johns is there that early. Where the hell was he at the end when they're getting their asses kicked? Yep. Why didn't where, he? Where was he in, in BDS? Where was he in Man of Steel? Right. Why didn't he? I know where he was. He was yeah, they the said that guy. That's what I heard. I heard he was supposed to be that military guy. I can't even remember which one it was supposed to be. But yeah, Swanwick. Swanwick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like same thing. It's like that totally ruined. So he, Martian Manhunter, just sat there throughout all of this and was like, "Nope, nope." There might be four involved. I'm out. Right. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, they beat Steppenwolf, so I guess I'll go tell uh, Bruce if he needs anything. You know, I might show up later. Um, (laughs) Parents would be proud, and because yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, I completely agree. He. Oh, that just that just ruined ruined the Martian Manhunter in this universe for me. It's like if he can just sit by and watch all this happen. You know, no, just no. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. My actual negative, if I may. So my actual negative, if I may. Because I was still, like, bounced off off of the... Yeah, that was all Sean's negative. So, yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is nitpicky, nitpicky, but... I love love the the actions in their case, or whatever they call it. The temple, whatever. The mother box. Yeah. Yeah. I think that scene plays out so much better in this for the most part. It's out so much better about it. But the fact that they watch Steppenwolf feel the doors and trigger this mechanism that's going to make it fall off the cliff into the ocean and sacrifice their lives nobly, it's all well and good, except for the fact they just saw him teleport in from nowhere. Right. Like it was a, like if they had shown something him inside where he destroyed something that he brought it down and he killed them knowing he could escape, that would have been more tragic. This just felt like you just killed all for no reason. Like when I thought um, Cyborg's dad died for nothing, and then they realized, you know, he sacrificed himself to turn that into a tracker. It wasn't just trying to destroy it and fail. Good, at least they were doing that. Yeah, and honestly, that whole, like, oh, our our last-ditch effort is to throw it into the ocean. It's like, well, okay, I hope the Atlanteans never come and try and steal the mother box because that would be perfect for them. Like, like that's your only resort. You have an island full of women, and your only plan is, if all else fails, throw it in the ocean. Like, someone can't recover (laughs) it from the ocean. Yep, yep. Nope, I, I agree. Although that scene is fun with them riding on horseback and throwing it. That's a, the that, scene is great. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. The cliff part. Well, uh, that scene kind of blew my mind because you have freaking Steppenwolf throwing horses in this one mm-hmm. instead of the uh, the, in yeah. the in the original one. 
he he was going easy on him compared to when you see what he's pulling in here to get the box back and I was like the first time that you see him throw a horse I was like oh he's doing that now and yeah. then all of a sudden it's like oh that's his that's his like special move in this in this version yeah, so, yeah. Hadouken, here's a horse you know? no that's the violence in the R rating the violence in the R rating it's not just gratuitous violence like Logan or Deadpool where they just throw it in to make that rating work like it, it all the extra bloodshed visually was worth the sacrifice and that scene where the Rinder all lands on the ground, climbing up on him, trying to, like, hold his arm back. Yeah. Like, like, it's, 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 like, I wouldn't even want to high-five any of those ladies in fear that, like, it would shatter my shoulder or something. You know? So all of them teaming up on him, it was just an impressive. No, I completely agree. That was, that, and I think that, right? yeah, yeah, negative into a positive. Um, but no, I, I think it's another scene that just helped by the, like we said earlier, it ties back into Steppenwolf being a force in this one, more fleshed out, looking better. Because um, I remember, because that scene in the original theatrical, if I'm not mistaken, was like the first time we really saw Steppenwolf. And and then there was kind of, honestly, the whole thing kind of felt like a lame jog across the mascara. And in this one, they actually felt like, no, this is like, like Sean said, they're throwing horses and massive casualties mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They're really giving everything they've got to try and hold him off. So that really came up. Um, it really brought up the scene. It's all tied back into Steppenwolf just being a force in this one. Um, Absolutely. So I, th- I think uh, I think we probably, I know I have another positive. You guys both have another positive? I'm sure I have yeah, a positive sure. and some more negative too. Uh, I can work either way. Work either way. <laughs> let's, do, let's do one more positive at least. Um, and I'm going to throw it. Obviously, the big. I, I didn't start off with this one because I thought someone else would get it, and I'm sure you're all thinking about it. it's the big elephant in the room, and that is uh, the cyborg character and his arc and his story that was completely missing from the theatrical release. Um, this one made me give a damn about Cyborg. It made me, it made me mourn along with him. And I mean, he was just, oh, the conflict he was going through just over his own loss with his mother and his body and his potential football career, his whole life. You know, it's like I'm alive, but nothing that I used to do, I can do anymore. And then to lose his father like that and, um... just his whole his whole, this 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 Snyder coat was really the cyborg story, and it really shows you why Ray Fisher was so upset after the the original theatrical release because, and this is the way it should be, that it should set up you know Batman Superman Wonder Woman, which you know granted those movies weren't great, but they were set up coming into this. I still think they should have set up Flash coming into this with his own movie. And then this would have been the introduction to Cyborg. And they've done this a lot of times. They did it, I think, even back in the Super Friends, they had an episode where Cyborg was introduced. You know, um, very much the new 52 Justice League, Cyborg was kind of at the center of that, especially with his ties to Apocalypse. And he is kind of the perfect uh, entry or the gateway person for us viewers 
to to experience a story through. It really should be the cyborg story, and I thought it was just executed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was uh, I was pretty shocked by how much the story changed by adding in what they did with him, and uh, yeah, I honestly they they really did flesh out a character that was very, very paper thin for me. And he was just basically, uh, I know they, they were saying like uh, some of the things about uh, Joss Whedon, it was, you know, there's possible racism involved. And when you see the portrayal that he did in that cut, there was more of like the, let's make him an urban angry youth. And in this one, you could definitely tell it was not aimed to be that it was here is Victor stone. This is what he's up against. And, and even having those moments where you get to see inside of him and he's whole again yeah. and he's getting to see all the things he can do to manipulate the world based on he's, uh, he's now attached to everything from, from an electronic standpoint, from an internet and a mm-hmm. wireless standpoint. It's like, yeah, I, I liked um, adding to yours. I actually, I know this is a divisive scene, but I liked it when he when he helped the uh, the single mom, the the waitress. And I know you had issues with that. I know I've talked to other people, but there's that element of that was one little moment that made me go. It showed that he cared. It showed that he wasn't a man of of just electronics. It's he sees somebody that's down on their luck, and he's just like, I want to help them. No, it was not the greatest idea. It showed he he cared, but it showed he cared. There's no way that bank's not going after that single mom, and she's gonna be she's gonna have like felony charges brought against her and everything else for hacking into the system and stealing all that money. So, mm. it's the Snyderverse. You got one hopeful moment, and then he wants to crush it down again so that we can have nihilism all over the place. No, I, I agree. I I don't I don't think I realize how. Um, How vanilla the theatrical cut version of him was, and I'm not talking racial coloring here. Right, right. Like just he was a slightly like Sean said, like a slightly off, angry urban youth. Right, and and got over that fairly quickly. And you know, I liked him from the beginning in that version until I saw the the Snyder cut. I was like. Like another character in a different universe that has become my favorite. I didn't like him at first in this movie. I was like, man, he has got a real. Not that he doesn't have a right to be, but I was like, I don't enjoy where he's at right now. Right. By the time we come to the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah. Like he has that scene with the whatever the spirits or the Desaad like priestess things where they're disguised as him and his parents, and they're like, oh my boy. Oh yeah. Boy. You don't have to be alone anymore. And then he's like, I'm not broken. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And they all start to like turn into their real selves. Like that's giving me goosebumps right now. You know, oh yeah. You know, and I was like, so like, I'm glad I didn't like him. Because I didn't like that they gave him such an arc. And it wasn't just, uh, I'm the angry guy. But by the end, yeah, I'll do that fist bump. Cause you're okay now, Flash. Like, no, he, he yeah, yeah. yeah, they do so much better with him in this. Yeah, he was literally broken, and he had to accept who he was now that he couldn't go back, but that he still had something to offer. And you know, he's so 
he's so misguided. He's so angry at his father for for every which he had every right to be, honestly. But at absolutely. The end, but then to lose him like that, and him and and, and Victor realize like that, you know he was the last family I had, and I spent my last day or his last days just being angry at him. And then at the end there, when he when he puts the recorder back together and listens to the end of the message. And realizes, like, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, my dad loved me to death. And he, he only did this to me because he couldn't stand being without me. Like, oh, I'm, uh, yeah, that scene hit me. That scene hit me yeah. mm-hmm. in the feels because, you know, and there's nothing he can do. That's the other thing. I like that they, you know, there's so much. There's always that temptation, especially in superhero movies and fantasy movies, to right all the wrongs at the end and find some way to, you know, bring somebody back or whatever. But at the end of the day, in this movie, Victor's just got to live with it. And that's that's the kind of, of realism I like in these kind of movies. Like, they can be big, fantastic but at the end of the day, there can be some consequences without it being, you know, man of steel, doom and gloom, everything sucks. You know, these are just real. Sure. This is just growth. And this is how how he has to deal with it from here on out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Victor. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. I guess I... I, guess I you want me to do you another positive quick? Yeah. I'll go with Zack Snyder's casting. Um, okay. I Because uh, basically everything else, it, the high point for me is still going to be the Flash reversing time bit. Yep. But uh, like on a really Im- impressive note, the cast he assembled for every movie leading up to this one works for me on most levels it's the writing so it's like okay pa kent kevin costner field of dreams boom done you know henry cavill dude looks like superman there's no way that man does not look like superman absolutely uh i i was beyond impressed with ben affleck batman i actually said after i watched this version that uh i said to my wife that night i'm like i honestly think ben affleck is my favorite batman of all time right now yeah, if only like that, he, we'll, if we'll only he'd got an, an actual Batman movie. Agreed, agreed. Ugh. But uh, uh, we'll have to see what uh, what what uh, Robert Pattinson does in, in the coming year or so <laughs> with his Batman, the Batman. The Batman. But um, I mean, Gal, how can you look at Wonder Woman and not see Gal Gadot anymore? She just is that woman. I'm positive was born in Themyscira. You know, like <laughs> it, her. Uh, Jason Momoa, if there was somebody who could make Aquaman not look the way that he was stereotypically, it's typically within like the geek community, the, the comic community, everybody thought it was a joke all the time that, oh, Aquaman, he talks to fish. Well, how do you fix that? You put Jason Momoa in it, you know? And I, I mean, I, the only person I'll give you that Ezra Miller is still like the, it didn't quite work for me, but he sold those hopeful moments that I enjoyed at least. But, uh, but yeah, uh, even, um, even Jeremy Irons, Alfred, that was that was awesome. It's like in the last two times I've had Batman, both versions, Michael Caine and Jeremy Irons, were some of the reasons where I'm like, sign me up because yeah. I want to see what they do because 
that is a role that really does affect Batman and it's an emotional core to that character. And in both cases, with both of their ways of handling it, I thought both actors did a really good job. But uh, Jeremy Irons, I liked how he was really, uh, he was complicit with him through this one quite a lot. And I really enjoyed that back and forth and stuff. So yeah, I uh, casting wise, I, I think Zack Snyder really does have a great handle on a lot of these characters. It's whether or not he's got the script to handle those characters properly is the thing. Yeah. The, the only one I'll, I'll not disagree with you, but I'm still not convinced of, and I know everybody loves him, but Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I still, uh, he's, he's too Cal Drago for me. I, I can't, I want that stereotypical Aquaman. I want, I want the, I don't know. They're just, he's, he's too surfer. He's too, like I said, Cal Drogo. I just, I, he, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it yet. I still haven't watched that movie, by the way. I have not been able to, I fall asleep in like the first 15 minutes of that movie every time I try and watch it. (laughs) Okay. So, so I'm going to pose the question to you then because me personally, I don't need a recasting of Aquaman based on what they've done to this point. Who would you like to see as your traditional blonde hair, blue eyed Aquaman? Oh, I, as have the no, comics represent? I have no idea. I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 I have, I have nobody else to put in that role. And I, I will give you that. I don't necessarily want a recasting, but beyond Ezra Miller, he's the most, uh, like WTF of the castings. Like, how do you look at the, because they just, like I say, just, he's just too, too, uh, too Cal Drago for me still. I can't get that character out of my mind. I know that's typecasting the guy and I'm sorry for it, but that's, that's just where I am. But I will agree. Ben Affleck is probably the best Batman and we'll probably get Unless some miracle happens, we're going to get the least screen time of any Batman from him. So that yeah. is that's probably the biggest loss of this Snyderverse is not getting a true Batfleck movie. Mm-hmm. I'll say is casting was um I'm on everybody the room is off. Um, Aquaman. The thing that throws me off the most in this movie is the contact. In his regular movie. His eyes only go white like that when he's using powers and stuff. It's not a constant dead stare that he's got. Um, My biggest issues with the casting are uh, Amy Adams and Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. I didn't even You know why I forgot them? Because I don't like them. (laughs) I. I'm not going to go on a rant on either of them because I think I think Amy Adams is a fantastic actress. I think she is. Yeah, no, Je- Jesse Eisenberg is a waste of space. I don't know whoever signed off on that. They have obviously never read a Superman comic in their lives because he well, is just terrible. The, the the thing about him 
it, it was the expectation angle from my my perspective on on Lex and him playing it because when you watch, you saw Social Network. Yeah, there was that element of okay, now we're going to get Evil Zuckerberg fighting Superman. But then when you see how he played that role, he didn't do anything like Zuckerberg. He just went in there and said, "I'm going to make as many weird twitches and yeah. eh, oh, and all these things." They make you just go like, uh, "What the hell is wrong with you?" You're like, it, it, all you had to do was just play Zuckerberg and make it that you are a mental and and you know psychological threat and an intellectual threat to Superman. That's all you got to do. Yeah. You don't have to turn it into weirdness, but you but did. See, that's so. like Lex Luthor. He's he's the con man. He's the billionaire. I mean, whichever. He's a very confident, suave guy and very intelligent. So, I mean, and yeah, Eisenberg took it the whole wrong way he took it. You know, I could see Eisenberg playing is uh, the Mad Hatter. That's who I could see him playing, little Jervis Tench. <laughs> that, that's, that's more the vein he was in than anything related to Lex Luthor. So. Well, leading up to that movie, it was like Mark Strong was the one everyone wanted to see, and I didn't need to see that personally either, though. Like from a fan perspective, who's he play? Help me out. You know, I'm he was he names. was Sinestro in Green Lantern. He was uh, the uh, he was um, the bad guy in Shazam. Oh yeah, that would have been a great Lex Luthor. Yeah, it better, would have been better than obvious. Jesse Eisenberg. No, no, no. It would have been better, but I actually would have liked to see somebody that you you would have been like, oh, they're Lex Luthor. Um, versus, you know, somebody you already know, because Mark Strong already broadcasts, here yeah. I am, I'm a bad guy, you know, and it, it, I, I would want to see somebody who's not that guy in that role, because the thing is, he becomes president in the comics. What about So what he about, has to have some suaveness and charm somewhere, you know? What about the guy who plays uh, Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl? Oh, um, the Cad Brooks? Yeah. He could be. Good that would have been player. interesting. He lost he his arms a couple weeks ago. What? It's Jack. Oh, he played Jack. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> Have not seen Mortal Kombat yet. <laughs> I know he's a good actor, and honestly, he kind of takes that role in Supergirl. I don't know if either of you guys have watched it, but he kind of becomes, you know, through Catco, he becomes the the CEO of it and everything. So basically, just turn him evil, which I definitely think is in his wheelhouse. He could he could be a good Lex Luthor. I, I wouldn't have minded that rabbit hole, but sure. <laughs> uh, I have one in mind from a, a video that Sean shared with me a while ago, but we'll okay. we'll keep that in the rabbit hole. And, but if but I can throw out my next yeah. positive, oh, no, I want to, I want to, I want to hear your casting first. Then throw out your positive. Well, it's not. Well, my it's not casting, my casting. It's someone else, someone else much sure. more more established in things. Um, um, and thanks to Sean that have installed this video. Max Lannis's take on Man of Steel. I don't know which one, but he suggested that Superman flies up to Luther, Luther Core Tower, Lex Core Tower, and comes in the window, and Lex turns around, and it's uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. And I was like, I never would have picked that, but I love that choice. He's just got that smallness. He's got that charm. And he's a good actor. He could pull off the, the villain twist where you believe yeah. he's doing the right thing and then the people would believe he's doing the right thing, but you know he's wrong. Road to perdition. 
Yeah, no, I'm- that was a that was that that solidified. Like I, I was not believing he could pull that role off until I actually watched it, and I'm like, wow, I, this I, is proof. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. No, he could definitely pull off that. Yeah, I'm just everybody's friend, just a businessman trying to do some good. He's don't, like, no, not him. Look don't, how he talks to those yeah. kids. <laughs> just sweet. Well, he's like, you know, it, it would it would be like yeah. if you cast uh, Lex Luthor as Walt Disney. Right. If you put him in the role, like you yeah. picture him and That's all it. of these wonderful roles he's had. Yeah. Oh, he couldn't ever be evil. And then all of a sudden in the background, he has that look in his eye and he's yeah. holding a, a shard of kryptonite. He's just right. like, oh, yes, yeah, Superman. Sure. We're going to work together, you know, or something like that. Yeah. No, I completely. That's great casting. I love that. All right, Jesse, you're positive. What you got? My positive <laughs> is. It's the whole elaboration on the Arrow of Artemis scene. Mm. Where absolutely the whole process of them firing the arrow into the temple of Artemis or whatever it was. So much more Sean knows this about me. I love fantasy, like mm-hmm. epic sword sorcery fantasy. So anything that rolls more than that wheelhouse you get my you get my attention. So seeing the whole bring that arrow out and the whole ritual behind it was great. And when she says, you know, men won't know what it means, but she will. Like, I get yeah. emotional thinking about that. About that. And, and then the you arrow, see the arrow, she's just work, work. and she sees the sees flame, the flame she, knows, she knows what it is, and she goes to the whole kind of diet Tomb Raider sequence, sequence where she gets into the Metropolis mm-hmm. and down underground and everything, and then you have the whole flashback story of when Darkseid invades, other than yes. invading, if they, I wish they would have left that a step and that was his failure, and that's what he was making up for. Other than that, I love that expanded sequence. Seeing, seeing the, the God, getting Ares in human form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just a lot of the story of the different, different cultures coming together and everything was just so much cool uh, in this yeah, and it was that great parallel between here's what it took back then to save Earth, and you know we need to do that now. And no, I loved it. I I messaged Sean while I was watching because I knew he'd watched it before me. When I was watching, I messaged Sean during. I'm like, oh my god, they did it because we'd actually had conversations privately, unrelated to Justice League about a similar concept about the old gods and the new gods and green lanterns and like how that can all be woven together. And then it's like sitting there and it's like, Holy shit, they did it. Yeah. They, they <laughs> yep. Nailed it. That is, that is one of the best scenes of the movie there. You get to see, you know, their the existence of the green lanterns, all the forces, a man in the Amazons and the gods and everybody just like, Hey, there's something bigger than us, and it was just that great bookend of you know this. This is the cycle, you know. We where there are going to be these threats, and people will rise up, and mm-hmm. you know that message of hope, which you know they did a poor job of making us feel hope is lost. But by God, they delivered on you know, hey, we're deli- we're there is hope now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, the only part of that I don't like is the same I don't like in the, the theatrical version, even though it's expanded and there's more to it. When the different cultures take the mother box and 
very though, like he's planning on studying it and then he keeps all this stuff. So, um, the Amazon put it in that cage, that temple, that bunker, and they have their plan of what they're going to do if anyone comes for it, which he seems to play out in, in earlier in the movie. Right. But the the, 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 the men, they're like, oh, <laughs> we put it in this iron box, we're going to dig it a five foot hole. <laughs> and there's like 80 of us here. We all know where it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Like, that's my level of responsibility with something important. Like, so, real, so, so what you're saying is they nailed it perfectly. That's exactly what a bunch of men would do. It's like, we just fought exactly. this battle. We're tired. We got a five foot hole. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're not Oh, and by the way, close your eyes when we walk away from here. We don't want anybody to know where we've been. Right. Well, they got the blindfolds in the bat, and they spun themselves around yeah, ten times. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that scene would have paid off more if, like, the king executed everybody that was there. He wrote off. Like, that's brutal and horrible, but, like, it would have been secret. No, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, my, that's my positive. I love like historical, like historical lore background, background stuff. stuff. When, when they can show shit epic battles. Now, I th- I think we hit most of our major points. I think we hit. Uh, we were going to do character callouts next, but I think we hit just about everybody throughout there. Um, so. Let's let me throw this out at you guys. The epilogue. Was it necessary and did you enjoy it? Jesse, you, you don't, go first. Don't everybody say, jump he, on he, this. He, he, you you, like you, you got to think about this for a minute. Well, I, I think I, I know what you think about it, but wait, how you're going to say it? I will, I will say, say this, and, and I'm pretty sure Sean feels the same way, but I'll let him say it. Um, the movie should have ended with Clark ripping open the shirt, seeing the red, yellow, and blue. Yes, that should hundred percent. Um, that said, I have no desire to see this nightmare picture play out ever again. I've read comments and things from Snyder and other people about what that story was going to be. There's even a little hint in in the actual movie when you see the pregnancy test in Lois's Mm -hmm. dresser. I'm like, I don't want that world. Like Sean said, Lois is more than Clark's tether to humanity. He's our own person, person, not a part of the base. And I I don't like that concept. That said, I know this is going to be a very controversial statement. I don't dislike Jared Leto's Joker. All right, this this, this show's over. I'm sorry, guys. I can't do this. <laughs> no. I'm out. I can't. I can't. I can't. Go ahead. I know. No, that's fine. I'm not saying I don't like his portrayal in Suicide Squad. I like right. that he did something different. I like that he did something. But I am not a fan. I am not a fan of the Joker. I don't. Like, like those types of villains. Um, like I said, Mark Hamill in the animated series is the best version of the Joker. Joker. Yes. Um, um, Heath Ledger, yes. great performance. 
lots of issues there. Not, not, not he has an issue, right? Like, like, it's all issues. Like, there's right. no, no character there. It's just, just all raw nerves. And this, I like, it was different. I don't like most of what he says. Um, I said to Sean, we were watching I that guess. finale. I'm like, that's a line I never need to hear from the joke yes. or anyone. Um, and just how neutered Batman is around him in that sequence. He's like, you better be careful what you say next. And he keeps going. He's like, that wasn't very terrible. Like, right. And that, but maybe Batman, Batman and Joker have to work together, together to, go to go against Superman. Like, I'm intrigued that, but not enough to ever want to see that. No. And I guess my biggest thing with it, um, I, I will agree Leto was better here. Um, but again, like you said, the Batman I know would have punched him between the eyes when he didn't stop talking when Batman told him to. You know, I mean, Batman is that kind of character. He's he's He delivers with his threats. He's not just, he's not just blowing smoke. But I guess my biggest thing about it is like, you like, like I just said, you spent this whole movie building up hope, and then your final scene of the movie is, oh yeah, Superman goes evil and we have to fight him. It's like you just everything you just built up, all the you know cyborgs growing arc, flashes you know doing something finally and not being a complete putz. You know, Superman coming back and it's all undermined by, oh yeah, everything goes to shit anyways. And that is such, that is such a Zack Snyder ending, but it's like the rest of the movie tricked me into thinking maybe he finally got something right. But at least it's just a dream. (laughs) It's just a dream. Yes and no. I mean, I think the Martian Manhunter made it pretty clear that those dreams he's having mean something. And obviously it's it's playing yeah. off the Injustice storyline. I mean, there's plenty of basis for this in the comics. Um, so, I, I I don't doubt if the Snyderverse were to continue that it would end up in an Injustice timeline. And that's where he was eventually going with it, which is just a downer considering it's like you finally made me care about some of these characters and you just yeah. destroyed it. Sean, you've been really quiet down there. Anything you want to say? About <laughs> I, <laughs> I think seeing that, uh, like, I, I agree with Jesse completely. It, you know, it should have ended with that that ending of yes. Clark looking up in the sky, ripping the shirt open, the red, yellow, and blue showing through the show. We have Superman back, and right. it's probably a better Superman than we've gotten through all the other movies to that point, which would have been great. Everything else after that point to me is just Zack Snyder doing this Mm -hmm. self elevating of what he was attempting to do with this, the whole series. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, okay, if you want to do that, don't do it as your main continuity, because this proved to me, I have no interest in what you're going to give me. If you'd ever get it further than this. I would be okay. I'm done. Like, show me the individual movies. I'm out for a Justice League two or whatever. And it also goes to yes, in Marvel they do things in their movies to set up. Oh, if you if you watch this scene, 
it's a callback to something that happened in this. And or if you're watching the movie for the first time, oh, this could lead like I mean, heck, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Right. That blew the roof off the joint because suddenly your mind is going crazy thinking of the future of this line. And in the case of what DC did or what Warner Brothers did and Zack Snyder did, it just made me go, this is my closing the book on what you're doing with this line because everything after this is going to just turn into a nightmare that I have no interest in living through. And again, like I agree with your point, Matt, where it was, you know, everything you did, you're undoing again. So why are you doing this? You know, and uh, it just, it's not a, it's not a place I need my heroes to be. I would prefer the, I would prefer something a little more traditional with these characters because what all most audiences get is this version of these characters. They're not going to the comic books like we did when we were kids because it's, it's already on TV. It's on the movies and all this other stuff. And, you know, they're watching these movies and they're thinking this is the greatest version of Superman because now he's dark, he's gritty. And it's like, then watch Superman and Lois and tell me what you think. I bet you any money you might like that too, because you know what? That actually has a handle on what he's about. And, it's I don't know it's everything Snyder wants to do with the main characters is always I have to make them as dark as possible because it's the only way I can relate to these things and make them work with what makes sense to me and you know like the whole restore the Snyderverse hashtag that started out after this hit I have no interest in any of that happening and I hope to God Warner Brothers and and AT&T and everybody else in charge goes we're good because the, that that whole the epilogue bit just had me going. I don't need this in my life, and I don't need people thinking this is the most awesome thing in the world anymore. Just you got what you got. Can't you be happy there? You know. And I'll agree with that. Honestly, as I was watching through the you know the four hour Justice League, at, towards the end there, I was actually thinking like. You know what? I wouldn't mind another movie to see where they go from here. And then that epilogue came up, and I'm like, "Nope, never mind. I yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want another one." Um, exactly. I'm good here because I just because you just showed. See, then that's the difference. It wasn't. I want to talk about the Avengers Initiative, which was just a little. You know, oh my god, they could take this like anywhere, or they could take it nowhere. You know, they didn't even have to follow up on it necessarily. It could have just been a colonel that never developed no he had this full-blown epilogue that's like no here's where we're going everything sucks it's great you're gonna love yeah. it yeah yeah um how about you jesse Do you, uh, another snyderverse movie or where you're good to die here i'm i'm good with it going to bed um he's had almost almost 10 hours of screen time with his characters yeah counting the production credits on Wonder Woman and then the production on Shazam and Aquaman too. Um, sorry, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, he lives next to a fire house. So yeah, hang on. Welcome to Silent Hill. Who are you gonna call? <laughs> <laughs> the firefighters. Um, I'm surprised we didn't hear this earlier. Oh, and the cops. I, I should have told him. I completely forgot to tell him because they've been quiet on that. I forgot about it too. I'm so used to it until there's someone new in my apartment. I don't. You know what? 
This is just the local fire company and the police stopping us from talking about this because even they're like, we don't need to go to this future of Zack Snyder's DC universe. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> I don't... Let me check here. I don't think he had on... No, he was not on Shazam. I think he was okay. on Aquaman, though. And I, I, I'm pretty sure he was on... Wonder I know Man. he got production credits on the first Wonder Woman or... or story or something. Check no, I, he and his so, wife had executive producer credits on that, I think. Yeah, because they were they were kind of the Kevin Feige of the Warner Brothers DC stuff at, at the time. Um, well, I'll just say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm surprised I enjoyed this one as much as I did. It's got things I like. It's got things I don't theatrical got things I like and don't it's it's kind of a mixed bag between the two um, they're storyline wise they're essentially the same yeah uh, they just a lot, a lot of, of details, details and like, character, character, character story but the overall arc of the story is, is pretty, much, pretty much the same so we're all good with this ending do you what do you think they should do from here, though? Do Should we start completely over? Do we continue with Wonder Woman and Aquaman? Do we continue with Cyborg? Like, what do you guys hope to see from... Because obviously DC is not going to let the unit... Well, they'll let this universe die. They're not going to let the entire universe die. They're going to come out with something new. We got Robert Pattinson coming in as the Batman... I guess, do you guys want to see a full reboot or just kind of do, a, you know, like Ben Affleck's out, Robert's in, uh, keep Wonder Woman, Aquaman? Like, what's your ideas? Um, um, I, I like the idea I'm hearing from them at the moment of it being, uh, they're going to focus on kind of a multiversal aspect of the right. universe. Oh, all overlap and um, and part of it's like, duh, that's DC's bread and butter. Like, why, why was that not in your brain when you started all of this? Where you yeah, start this thread? You know, so, this Wonder Woman eighty four is that part of the same universe, or is that an alternate timeline? Like, right. At this point, it doesn't really matter. Aquaman two, <laughs> they've dealt with Steppenwolf at least enough. I mean, Mara has a British accent in this version. Yeah, it doesn't Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't matter. <laughs> like Justice League or a Scott Snyder version of her. Uh, wait, Zack Snyder. Yep. Zack Snyder wrote Justice League. Um, uh, I'm excited. Like I'm intrigued to see what the Pattinson Batman is going to be like. I think he's a good actor. It looks like they're going to take him more down the director, the detective. Yeah. I like more than just punchy, gravelly voice Batman. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by Black Adam. I'm excited for. That was good. Um, I don't have a lot of vested interest in Blue Beetle, but you know, I'll give anything DC puts out in the theater a chance, unless I have some really, really, really compelling reason not to. Fair enough, Sean. 
That's a hard question because I've actually asked myself that many times because, like, I don't want to see Gal Gadot leave Wonder Woman. I I enjoy her, and even though Wonder Woman 84 wasn't exactly firing on all (laughs) cylinders at points, it was still her. And, you know, like, it's almost the Superman 3 thing. Hang on. Do you hear? Are you picking that up now? The siren? Oh, it's been the whole time, yeah. Since it started, yeah. Loud and clear. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about this. (laughs) And my windows are closed. They are literally across the street from my my building. Oh, wow. So, and and that that made it fun a couple times. Or, uh, like, if I I would sleep on the couch here, that it's like, oh, God, six in the morning, I'm woken up like that. I'm like, "Uh, I guess I better go home now. Um, I, I want to see Gal Gadot stay as Wonder Woman because I, I, I mean, that's perfect casting on DC's part. Right. Um, I like Momoa. I know you're not a fan. I like Momoa as Aquaman. I have no problem there. Um, and, uh, and Affleck. I really yeah. liked him. I'm, I'm kind of one of these people that I'm, I, I kind of want to jump on the give Henry Cavill another chance under a different director and yeah. better writers to do a legit Superman the way that Superman should feel. Because that man, if you watch him in interviews, has this very charming assuredness, and he's got a very easy smile that that's what Superman should be bringing to the table. He should be bringing the humanity and this sense of, you're okay, I have you. No matter what hell is unleashed around you, I'm here. I gotcha. And I think he could do that if he's given the right... um, the right means to do it through the director and through the writing. But I don't know at, at this point too, it's like, I'm good with anything that Snyder has to do here. Let's, let's get away from that. So it's like, okay, the, the typical way that movies, uh, movie companies look at it then is then we reboot and then yeah. we recast. And then I'm like, well, that's, that sucks for him. That sucks for both him and Affleck. Right. Um, so I, I don't have an, a, a legit, this is what I want to see. But, you know, I, I guess in the future, I would just love to see something that feels more at least core to what I believe you could do with these characters and what they should feel like compared to, you already know the shorthand, we're going to just do this now, the way that they did it in, in these movies in particular. Um. So yeah, I, I I guess I guess if I had to choose between one or the other, I'd have to say I'd love a, I'd rather do a reboot and just let's start it from the ground up and maybe solidify that foundation, like I said, versus the sand of a foundation. Um, but I would like I would rather have them keep certain people who really yeah. do shine as those characters. I agree. I th- I think the softer reboots the way to go. You know, fix what's needed. Don't necessarily be beholding to this past continuity, but if you've got an actor that's really working out or the audience is love, stick with them. You know, there's no yeah. reason not to. And uh, so I'm curious, what is your guys' number one DC movie that has been released in this in this modern era? Not, you know, don't I don't want to hear no Batman 89s, nothing like that. <laughs> that's... Uh, <laughs> And this this modern era, you know, even past Nolan, I don't want. I'm saying this like we talked about. So you got you got Aquaman, two Wonder Woman's, Man of Steel, Batman, Superman, Justice League, um, and Shazam. I think 
that would be all of them. Suicide Squad. And, oh, uh, yeah, Suicide Birds Squad. Did you say Birds of Prey? Oh, I forgot about Birds, and Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Yeah. All right, what's your number one out of those? This is actually a pretty hard, hard one to play for me. I, mean, I have three that are pretty closely tied, but I will give you a definitive answer in uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay. Okay. Not surprising. I mean, again, it's the it's the time period. Like the historical setting. I like the journey she goes on. Um, and it, it, as fun as Aquaman is, it doesn't hit me as emotionally hard as when she climbs yeah. up that ladder into no man's land. Like, like that, that just gets me every single time. time. I yeah. agree. So much about that movie. I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah, Wonder Woman will be. I'll, I'll put it as my number one. No, that's that's a great one. That's my number two. So it's close, but that's my number two. Sean? I, I got I to gotta side with Jesse on this one because, again, the No Man's Land sequence, uh, the everything – first off, she embodies that character. Secondly, yeah. I love how everything in that movie leading up to No Man's Land was everyone saying no. Yeah. She can't do this. She can't do that. She can't do – and they went through the whole thing. And I love that Chris Pine doing the whole – these men have been in this trench for nine months. You know, we have not moved anywhere. And, you know, it's like, you can't do this. It's no man's land. And the, the minute she takes off that, that, that cloak yeah. and you see her and she puts on the tiara, you're like, Oh, and then the, the, the emotion from everything in that movie, not just that sequence, but everything in that movie, mm-hmm. it, it put it on a whole nother level of what DC can do. If they're given the chance to do something where the director gets it right. and where the writers get it and they have the right casting as well. Yep. No, I completely agree. Wonder Woman is a great movie. It's my number two, but I, I gotta say, uh, number one for me is Shazam. It was just, it's so much fun. And that is one character I felt they really nailed. I mean, especially for him being the start of getting his powers you know, that's exactly how Billy would be. And just, uh, you know, like you said, Wonder Woman's got some great emotion, some great story. So does Shazam, like this little orphan mm-hmm. kid who just, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with anyone. And finally realizing that's really the power of family that's going to, you know, get him through all of this. And, you know, and that was where, that was one where DC just allowed themselves to have fun. They're like, okay, yeah. we got this kid that transforms into adult. What's he do? Well, first he tries to buy beer. Of course he does. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, <laughs> yeah. I, it was just, we weren't so worried about the doom and the gloom, but then once, you know, once, once everything kicked in with the evil spirits and, uh, uh, with Dr. Zavago as well, like it's just, the stakes were high and, uh, he rose up <laughs> to them. Savannah. Know? Savannah, Savannah, sorry. Who's Z- Z- Zavago? Doctor uh, Zavago's a sixties movie. The sixties with, yes. with uh, oh, I forget her last name. Christie is yes. the last name. Hey, it's nice. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's all right. Shazam, number one. No, all I, right. Yeah, it's it's number two for me. And uh, I mean, we talked about a Legends of Grayskull that one time, but it has one of my favorite iconic superhero moments next to the Wonder Woman bit with um, when uh, Freddy's like. You know, Billy, Billy, super villain. And he goes up on the roof and he jumps off yelling Shazam. I mean, 
my yeah. kids and I cheer every dang time we've seen that movie, which has been quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right. I think we're getting to about the wrap up. Any last thoughts you guys want to throw out there about Justice League that uh, we missed, got glossed over? Um, um, I'm just going to re up on the. the score, even, though even though I really like what Danny Elfman did, there are a couple choices with when the cues came in in the music in this movie. I didn't like the Amazon vocalization that, like, Telegraph Wonder Woman about to show up every time. Yeah. It's like, like they, 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 they played that, that too soon. I love that sound. I love, I love that, that theme, but it always came out too early. But I agree. Uh, props, props to, to um, uh, uh, Junkie XL, I think, between his collaboration with Ron Zimmer on Man of Steel uh, and the other things, things, I just, I really like his score. Like I said, I, I like the John Williams theme coming in and the Danny Elfman the Batman theme with the theatrical cut. And it would have been nice to have that worked in a little bit. But his stuff really fed the action. It really, really pumped up. up. Um, yeah, so yeah, Matt Props to the, the, the score on this. I completely agree. Yep. Sean? I'll end it with two quickie deals. Um, the one is. I don't like creepy blonde ladies singing and smelling <laughs> Aquaman's sweater because that moment made me go, yeah. what in the hell am I watching? The cult of and Aquaman. It, absolutely. The cult of Aquaman, the most thirsty women alive, apparently. And I mean, no offense to women out there, but I just, I watched that, <sighs> that going, what weird. is this? Why, why do we need this in this movie? And to add to that, the really quick one is, <laughs> why so much slow-mo and why do we have to have a music video? I don't need the music video for The Flash. I don't need the music video of Aquaman. I mean, I know why they did it with the, him taking his shirt off, going, okay, fine. You know, you get the eye candy just like Thor took off his shirt in his movie. Cap had a shirt off, a shirt off in his Wolverine. But, you know, it's like, no, I, I don't want to sit through a four-hour movie knowing this is how you're making it four hours. Yeah, You're making it four hours because most of, like, 25% is slow-mo. We could have had it down to a three-hour three movie, possibly, if you get those up to the normal speed and just let the <laughs> dang thing play. Because one of the big things that I, I, I really hate is if you're going to make something slow-mo, it means that nothing is important because usually slow-mo is used to underline and the yeah. importance of something about to happen or in the process of happening. And when you have moments where it's just a man walking on a pier to jump off after he's taken a big long swig out of his uh, alcohol, it's like, okay, because that was important to me at this point. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the hot dogs and, and dogs and berry. And it's like, all right, whatever. Go, so those so, were. Go those ahead, were Jesse. Just cu- just cut him off, or yeah. he'll never stop. No, no, no. no. I, I, I agree with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to use slow mo in a movie where someone is a speedster, you're you're not only canceling out the important stuff, you're also undermining the importance of the, the speed sequences. Yes. All right. Is this happening in slow motion, or, or is like? It's an effective thing. It's just, you know, no, and like the five minute long, it was getting comfy scene. Like, what was that? Yeah. 
when that started in the movie, I was just like, like <laughs> yeah. I, I literally like jump back. I'm like, why? <laughs> what, what, what is this? <laughs> Normally, I love it. It just totally threw me off, and then it didn't stop. <laughs> yes to the singing absolutely no idea what he was going for there that was just creep of all creepiness slow-mo and speedsters this is one i wanted to hit on actually and i'm glad jesse you're right there with me why has slow-mo become synonymous with a fast person it, it, when you stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense because they should be moving faster than everybody else. So I guess it's the way the slow-mo is done because whenever we go into slow-mo, like you saw with the hot dog in the car, like Ezra's standing there and he's like, he's just kind of moving around, just doing this and doing that. And he's like, you know, but it's like, no, they should, they should be moving like... I hope you guys get what I'm saying. You don't have time to stand there. You're not slowing down time. You're moving faster right. than everybody else. So you need to be moving. If you're running, you're running. You know, honestly, probably who did it best was in um, X-Men First Class with Quicksilver. Because he was, you saw him, he's like, he's doing this super fast run. And it's like, yes, that's what they're doing. They're getting there before the person flying through the air. Not, oh yeah, I can just kind of stroll over because time moves slower for me. That's not how super speed works. That's the opposite effect. I, I think I, that's I think how Zack Snyder works. works. Yeah. So he was well, showing, he was showing us how he uses <laughs> it. Doesn't it necessarily doesn't necessarily equate to what makes sense. Oh, I hate it. I hate it whenever about. someone's someone's a speedster and they're just like just kind of putzing around like oh, I got all day your hot dog poop, you know. No. <laughs> Quicksilver Silver does that when they're breaking Magneto he out. Too, but he does zip yeah. between yeah. moments, but he'll like zip, the bullet, move zip, the bullet, zip, zip, do that. So at least that. they did that. Yeah. And I feel like maybe DC like, was like, well. well they, they kind of nailed it. it. I will, I will defend it at this to, point in saying that he yeah. uses the extra-dimensional reality. reality. So for him, he's moved into something else. So that's the only way I'll defend that in this movie. Speed yeah. Force. Yeah. Speed Force. Speed Force, yeah. Um, I just want to... Because when he's running back time at the end and the sidewalk is reconstructing around him and stuff, yeah, like, like it... It's like, it's yeah, like, yeah the, the different layer of reality. reality. So that's the only way I can justify it. But again, if you're going to do that, you've got to get rid of the slow motion music videos. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and Lewis. I guess that's my thing, though. At the end there where he's running and everything's concerned, it's like, but he's running the whole time. And I guess that's the main thing. It's yeah. like, if he, he could do the same stuff, but as long as he's actually doing it with some sort of urgent, like, I'm actually moving... Instead of just like I've got all day, it takes the it even takes the the peril away from it because you're like, well, who cares? He's got he's got like two hours before she hits anything, you know. Mm-hmm. We got we got all day here, so yeah. yeah. I did not like the hot dog scene for many reasons, but it wasn't necessarily the main that you used. Um, and then the last thing I want to bring up is, let's be honest here. For all all the good that this movie did. I think all of us can say that we had a much more positive reaction to it than we had to the theatrical release. Let's be honest here. 
this Snyder Cut would never have gotten released into a theater. Yeah, the same thing would have happened to it that happened to the Weeding Cut, where DC, he would have sent this in and DC would have been like, dude, this is one movie. You have... Mm-hmm. Maybe they give him two and a half hours. So again, yes, you cut out the slow-mo, you cut out some of the, the needless exposition, but I still think even then he's still probably taking about a half hour of really crucial stuff out of it. So then you're right back in the same boat. So for everybody who wants to go restore the Snyderverse, in my opinion, if you restore it and it goes back to theaters, you're not going to get this. This was a one-time thing... Basically, I think just because theaters were hit so hard in the past year and they're going, hey, we can get people to sign up for HBO Max this way. And that's a good source of income for us. You yeah, know, yeah. at the end of the day, we never would have gotten this four hour cut in the theaters. No. I mean, this four hour cut was supposed to be four one hour episodes. Yes. Like this was not supposed to be a one and done thing, which makes one of my. Negatives is how something will keep from seven times. I counted seven times. I don't know why. It's a weird thing to focus on. It's a weird thing to focus on. Anyway, yeah. This never would have seen theater. No. And actually, I wish they had released it as. Either, like you said, four one-hour episodes or even eight half-hour-ish, 40-minute-ish episodes. Like, I think it would have done even better if it had followed that, like, every Friday you get another piece of it. And it really was set Mm -hmm. up that way. So, Mm -hmm. I I would have welcomed that personally. Yeah, Yeah, because that's one thing about streaming services, like... uh, Not trying to sell anything here, but, like... Way Disney Plus does their shows where it's one episode a week. Oh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It prolongs the conversation. People keep talking about it. And it builds more of a buzz so that it's not 364 days until the next Yeah. Week. At least it's two months on show. show. And then you have like, like, I can't, can't math. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> 90 days until the next episode or something. Sean, how many times have I brought this up, especially with all our discussions about Netflix and their philosophy? I love this oh, right over here because I, it, this is everything I've been saying for years now no, about it's, Netflix. It's, it's true, and I think there's more streaming services out now that are conditioning us that we're becoming regular TV watchers again. And I think Netflix now, although they they did the whole switcheroo where all of a sudden now people can binge the hell out of everything, but yeah. there is something to be said about, hey, take your time. Each week, you have something to look forward to now. Right. It's not just a, you got everything done in 24 hours, and now you're just sitting there complaining about it because you just wrecked it for yourself. And it, and it gives guys like us time to come up with our theories, even though they're always wrong. I mean, you get to sit there and you get to talk to your buddies like, hey, what do you think's going to happen? Sure. Instead of throwing out there like, hey, what do you think is going to happen? And then Matt Rodriguez is like, oh, well, this happened because he already binged it all and he has no problem spoiling it for everybody. Exactly. So Yeah. <laughs> what, what's funny, uh, in, in literally this year, I have remembered what it felt like to watch TV again because – 
we i mean i i I did it light with the boys like i wasn't a huge fan but i would check it out from time Mm -hmm. to time on my own leisure right and then we had superman and lois we have invincible we have wandavision we have the mandalorian we have falcon and the winter soldier and it's like now i'm actually it's appointment tv Part of it is the rush to, I want to wash it so that I'm not getting spoiled on social media. But the other part is I'm actually invested enough that I want to sit down and watch this. It's appointment viewing now. I really want to see what happens next. Yeah. No, completely agree. And I think that's going to lead us right to our last bit here. Um, so basically, since we're going off world, we're, we're hoping to meet once a month. I don't know. It's not going to be regular. It's going to be when we feel like it, when we got something to talk about. So, real quick here before we take off, I'm going to list uh, how many do we got? I got five recent shows or movies. I want to hear a yay if you recommend it, a nay if you don't recommend it, uh, and I haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, do you plan on it, or it's not for you? All right. All right. Just to kind of give people uh, a little bit of recommendations and a little bit of what we're into. So, and Sean, you've mentioned off some of them already. So <laughs> we'll keep going. We'll go. We'll go. Jesse, Sean, me every time. So, sure. Uh, Superman and Lois. I have not seen it yet. I do plan to watch it. Okay. Been watching it since the first episode, and I recommend it to anybody that I can talk to. Yep. Same here. I've watched, I think I'm all caught up. I might be, have one episode left and it's on its break right now. So great time to catch up. Highly recommend it. It's the Superman show. I never knew I wanted, but I'm loving it. Yes. Uh, next up, Invincible. I have not seen the final episode yet. Been a little busy, but I'm enjoying it. I've read the whole comic series, so I highly recommend the show and the comic. All right. Yeah, I I got to finish it on Thursday night, and uh, yeah, I knew what would happen based on reading the comic, but I'm I'm really enjoying seeing the uh, people that haven't read the comic their reactions because yeah, it only gets more interesting from here, folks. Oh, that montage at the end. Yes, I've seen it. Yes, I highly recommend it. I have not read the comics yet. I plan on picking them up during the break here. I wanted to at least finish the first season. Mainly the reason I held up was because everyone's like, oh, it follows the comics very closely. So I'm like, well, I want to be surprised. Um, And, uh, but yeah, that, oh, that, Sean, that montage at the end there, I'm just like, oh, this can no, it, so many places. So. It, it can and it will. That's the <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, absolutely loved it. One of the best Marvel things, in my opinion. Um, I, I've seen the whole thing, and I, I actually talked to Jesse about it. I think the bookends are the best part. I wasn't a big fan of the middle bits uh, of the series, uh, but I love the first episode and the final two really knock it out of the park for me. Yep. I've, I've seen it all. I'll give it a yay. I enjoyed it. Um, WandaVision was better in my opinion, but it's a good enjoyable show and you should watch it. I think season two's going to be even better. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to see what comes with that. 
Uh, okay, movie. Mortal Kombat. Spoiler alert, Sean watched it with me the second time. If you like those types of movies, yes, watch it. If you don't enjoy that type of thing, skip it. <laughs> now, when you say, just to clarify, when you say that type of thing, are you meaning a uh, video game movie or uh, uh, like violence, martial arts movies? Okay, gotcha. Um, it, like Jesse said, I watched it with him last weekend, and I I was laughing through parts of it, and then there were other parts where I'm like, oh, they went there. I. I- I honestly don't think I'd really recommend it, though, because it's very much an acquired taste, and it's not... I don't know. I, I just found, like, there's moments that is really cool, and then there's moments where I'm just like, okay. <laughs> well, I have not seen it, but I do intend on watching it. I've only had to hold off because I don't think my wife will be into it, and I don't want my kids seeing it, at least until I see it and see how gruesome it is. Um, if you guys saw the original Mortal Kombat's, do you say better or worse? Better. Better. Okay. Um, I'd say better in some ways, but, uh, there is an appeal to the cheese factor of the nineties that it was, because nothing, nothing beats Christopher Lambert going Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Because he had a real way of saying that. I, I guess that's my combat, you know? Honestly, <laughs> I I even liked Annihilation. Like, there were parts, of, I mean, there were parts that were, that were horrible, but there was also parts where I'm just like, oh my god, it's Mortal Kombat, it's on the big screen, this is awesome! Yeah, yeah. So, nostalgia's a big factor. Um, and last one here, Godzilla versus Kong. Mmm. I watched that maybe half a dozen times. Um, I love the monster verse. I like the classic movies, as many of them that I've seen. I really like this new stuff. So um, I I really liked it. And if you like monster movies, I definitely recommend it. Hmm. Uh, Actually, the person that made me watch the movie was my daughter. She saw the preview and she goes, we have to watch this. It's my first Godzilla movie, dad. I'm like, okay. And I sat through it with her and I was uh, like, we cheered. It, it felt like we were at a, at a, uh, at a boxing match when the two of them went head to head. And, and actually there is a moment in that movie where my daughter turned into me because she got snarky and Godzilla has a moment where he's reaching up after he's gotten knocked over and she first words out of her mouth, Tell my, tell them my story. <laughs> I was yeah. so proud. I cheered for her. I thought it was great. Uh, but I'm, I'm like Jesse. I've seen it probably three or four times now because my oh, kids yeah. want to watch that one, and I, I have yet to be unentertained by that movie. It's, it's impressive how entertaining it is. Nice. Now that is another one that I have not seen, but I definitely plan on it. I'm actually way behind. Uh, the only one I've seen is uh, Skull Island out of this more recent verse. Do I need to see the others, or can I skip right ahead to Godzilla vs. Kong? Because that's kind of what's been holding me off. I'm like, I kind of want to get caught up first. I would, I would at least recommend and, King of the Monsters. I think, I think Godzilla is one of the best of, of the Godzilla, Godzilla movies. But the monster storyline sets up stuff that Godzilla vs. Kong. Gotcha. 
All right, I will definitely check those out. I think we've exhausted all this, so Sean, take <laughs> us away, buddy. All right, uh, everybody. Uh, we, first off, Matt, and uh, I would like to thank Jesse for being the uh, third co-host here tonight and uh, officially welcome him aboard so he can do other episodes with us. It's, that's awesome. A little bit of my uh, nostalgia through my childhood, being able to talk shop with him and talk shop with Matt. So always a good time. So thanks again, Jesse, for joining us and uh, and also helping uh, yeah, letting me use your apartment to record tonight too, which is cool. Uh, and, and the fire engines, thank you, by the way. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, we, we hope that you liked our first off-worlding episode and we plan to do some more. Hey, if you have suggestions, comments, or anything of what you want us to cover that is non-Masters of the Universe related on here, feel free to let us know. Um, I know we, we have the uh, logpod85 uh, at gmail.com yep. if you want to reach out to us that way if you're just a YouTube subscriber uh, right now. Or uh, you can also reach us on the Legends of Grayskull pages on Facebook. Feel free. Um, we're going we're, we're gonna to have some more fun with this. It'll be a really fun mixed bag each time. It won't, like, like Matt said, monthly-ish, and it's going to be fun. We get to deep dive on some of the stuff that I know Matt and I, we, we've been wanting to geek out on some of these other things, but we want to keep Legends of Grayskull to the Masters. Simple as that. And I just knocked my phone. <laughs> so anyway, like, share, subscribe, give us, uh, ring that bell, give us, uh, you know, thumbs up, stars, whatever it is <laughs> that uh, your, your podcast app or YouTube will let you do. And uh, yeah, until next time. Until next time, guys, stay legendary. <laughs>